RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Participate in Predict Your Picks, presented by Caesars Casino and Sportsbook. Devils fans can make predictions for every home and away game this season in this free-to-play contest for chances to win player-signed prizes every game. The more you play, the better your chance of winning our grand prize, which includes a VIP concert experience and Devils signed jersey. Make your predictions at NewJerseyDevils.com slash picks. Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Speak of the Devils, our weekly podcast presented by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. I'm joined today once again by Jessica Kent. Jess, looking forward to today's podcast because we're speaking to a very powerful woman who has a huge amount of influence in the game yes. we love. Very powerful, very inspiring. And Matt, I just have to say right now, I love her position. I love what she's doing for the hockey community and for the youth also, just getting kids involved in the game. And it's, like I said, it's inspiring. She's she's a, an incredible woman. She has some brilliant ideas. She's been able to put a lot of them into effect already. She's been with the league since I think it's 2016. She is the chief marketing officer of the National Hockey League as we welcome Heidi Browning to the podcast. Heidi, I want to begin at the beginning, so to speak, as I was looking through the history of players in the National Hockey League. There's one that comes up who was born in the state of Montana, and that is Bill Lindsay, a good friend. And he had a wonderful career and is still involved in the media side. So you were born and raised in Montana. How does someone from a non-hockey producing state, if you will, make it to one of the most powerful positions in our sport and in the sports landscape? Well, it's, uh, it was a long journey, uh, if I may, uh, because I actually never worked in sport uh, at all and uh, found myself through a collection of experiences, uh, starting with being an early pioneer in digital media and marketing, uh, learning all about how to um, transform the, the marketing landscape using the digital media and technology, uh, moved on to social media and then to mobile media and music. Uh, all of these experiences led me to where I am today to be able to draw upon them uh, you know, from the, the tech background and apply it to this beautiful hundred year old brand and help us build the future for our next 100 years. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive into some of those initiatives and where we are headed. But 
let's talk about your role and why is it important and the importance of women in sports, women in the National Hockey League. We've opened our arms much wider than we ever have. We're embracing everyone who can contribute to this game, what they bring to the table. But for the women who are listening, young women who are trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, what is the importance of seeing women in leadership positions? Well, I always subscribe to Billie Jean King's mantra, which is, if you can see it, you can be it. So having more and more women in these leadership positions is so important for inspiration and aspiration for the next generation of, of women. Um, but I also think there's incredible value to it. So you've got diversity of thought and diversity of experience, which is what I bring to the table. I don't have a sports background, but I came in with a consumer marketing background that I can apply to and learn the sports industry. And when you look at the studies around um, including women in the boardroom and leadership positions, you see that your um, companies that do have more women executives post higher financial results. They have like a 55% increase in operating results, 47% return on their equity. And for companies who really make it a priority to promote women, they see um, between 18 and 69% lifts increases in profitability. So having more women in leadership positions is good for business. And, you know, I, I take my path here and my position very, very seriously. I I always make time for young women, uh, you know, a 15 minute conversation with a young woman, whether it's a young girl, a, you know, 11 year old girl or somebody in high school or college or, uh, you know, a, a budding executive. I always take the time to talk with them uh, and really, you know, help them think through their own path and their own confidence that it takes to get into leadership positions. Uh, the other uh, role that I recently uh, adopted was uh, I've been uh, included in the Sports Innovation Lab uh, Women's Leadership Board, which is an extraordinary honor. This is a, a, a collection of amazing, strong women in the world of sport. And, you know, when you think about it, uh, in, men have these really deeply connected networks, right? So you, you know, you, you go out and you, you work together, you golf together, your families are friends you go on vacation together, you go on boards together, you find jobs for each other. And what we aim to do in this leadership board is to create that same kind of network for women, where that we can leverage our power, our connections, our platform to help lift other young women up and above. And so I think it's imperative. I know this is a long answer to your question, but it's such an important one, uh, you know, and, you know, I think about it and our collective responsibility uh, to help us create a space for women. You know, I get requests all the time from male colleagues and friends uh, from, you know, my entire career uh, who are now C-level executives in most of their organizations. And they want me to meet with their, mostly their daughters, sometimes their sons too. And I, I welcome it and I take the time, but the ask back is that they advocate for more women in the boardroom. They're in the position to make the decisions to invite more women in. And, and the more women that you invite in, it's good for business as we talked about. It's good for the young women, right? To have the chance and be seen and have a sponsor. And it's good for our daughters in the future. So uh, I'm a big proponent for that. And I'm glad to see the hockey world is really coming to uh, embrace this. And there's so many women leaders in hockey. We have uh, 200 leaders in the league and the clubs, which I think is extraordinary given that we have a pretty small and mighty league. Uh, so uh, we're going to continue the, the good work and the good efforts here. 
That's really interesting, Heidi. And how would you say with you kind of taking young women under your wing, how does that integrate into your social media strategy for the NHL? So are you talking about my social media strategy per, uh, personally or social media strategy overall? Social media strategy overall. And do you think that uh, the strategy, does it really reach out to young women and and bring them in a little bit? Yeah, I mean, our efforts in social media are really designed around how do we uh, work on and develop our tone and our content uh, and our our media mix to make sure that we're uh, entertaining and and educating and inspiring all fans. And we want to make sure that we're expanding beyond just our our, hardcore avid fans to be welcoming and interesting for casual fans to learn more. And so as we look at at our our mantra for social media, it is humans are greater than highlights. And when you look at all the data that we have behind the scenes, you see that the moments that are those human moments are the ones that get the most engagement, the most comments, the most shares, and they're the most relatable moments out there. Again, when you expand beyond, beyond the avid audience. So you'll see in our feeds, they've evolved. We did, you know, we've gone from strictly, you know, stats and and scores and game highlights and all that stuff that's really important that still makes up about half of our mix but the rest of it is around storytelling around our athletes and peeling off the visors and trying to showcase their personalities and you know having a little fun at ourselves we you know we talk about let's stop polishing the shield all the time and we really like have a more engaging dialogue and conversation and have a little fun so it takes time to evolve that voice over you know over the course you can't just wake up tomorrow morning and be a different brand in a different voice. Um, so we've been working that on that over time and across multiple channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok. And, you know, every day it seems like there's a new social media platform out there that we're exploring and testing. Uh, but we think about this uh, and the audiences of each of those platforms when we think about how we program and what we program for each. And you may have answered my question uh, with that response, but this is a tradition. Uh, I won't say tradition bound, but I think people would look at it a tradition bound sport. It's been around for so long. It's got great history. It's got great stories to tell. The athletes who have played it are fabulous. There are so many positives to the National Hockey League narrative, but there are some who don't want to expand behind uh, be, beyond that narrow lane, which the NHL has found itself so often traveling. So how do you modernize this traditional sport without alienating those who say, well, this is good enough for me. This is the way it's been. And it's been around a long time. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I mean, we absolutely embrace and respect and honor the history and traditions of hockey. That's part of being a hockey, an avid hockey fan, but we also recognize it's time to celebrate for the future. And it is a delicate balance uh, in terms of being able to give all of our fan base the kind of content and engagement that they want. And when we 
stop to think about how can we grow our sport? Um, how can we expand? And we spend a lot of time in focus groups and talking to casual fans to understand what are the perceptions and the barriers that, you know, uh, about hockey and what would make them want to watch more hockey. And it's really interesting because they admire the avidity of our fans. Like there's nothing better than a rabid hockey fan and they want to be part of the tribe, but they often find themselves intimidated, even with their best friends who are avid hockey fans intimidated by the fact that they might not know the history or the rules or the tradition or the slang, and they're a little embarrassed to ask questions. So we embarked on uh, a content uh, development to, to help bring casual fans along. I don't know if you remember the Snoop series, Snoop Dogg Hockey 101, but he's a huge hockey fan. And uh, we worked with him to really break down in different episodes, you know, what is icing? What are offside? You know, what is the slang uh, that's, you know, popular? How do, what's the history and tradition around the cup. And in his words, he described it and opened up hockey to a whole, you know, new group of people and also simplified it for, for many of our casual fans. So we want to continue to do more of those things. Uh, but when we get back to really modernizing the sport, um, the, the culture of hockey, what's so beautiful about it, you know, we're a team culture. We play for the name on the front of the sweater, not the name on the back. That's what it, we're pure in that way. Um, but the world's changing right? The fans are following athletes first and then teams and then leagues. And they're following athletes of sports they don't even really watch just because they're really interesting humans. And that's where we have to work on evolving our culture from that perspective, because it is possible to both be all in on the team and also have a personal expression on social media or, you know, in, in fashion when you're in the arrivals, all these things that fans are interested in. It's not just about your skills on the ice, right? It is about who you are as a whole human. What are, you know, what's your, your personal life like? Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have, you know, pets? What's your favorite, you know, music and food and how, what do you wear and what do you listen to? Like all of these things matter because athletes are aspirational for, for fans. And the more they know and aspire, the more connected, deeply connected they feel to that athlete. And we, we look at this as uh, an, a linchpin for our growth as a league because we know that importance of the fandom and the expectation that they have of athletes in general and the acknowledgement that hockey players are quiet off the ice. They don't know our hockey players off the ice and they want to, that makes them want to know even more. That's why we have some of the highest engagement rates when our players are posting because they're posting and, and fans go bananas because they're excited to see and get to know them even better. And Heidi, in terms of bringing on new fans and getting to know the players as individuals, you're also with the NHL Power Player Program, you are also trying to bring on younger fans to the game. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, this is my favorite program uh, since I've joined the league. And it really started out with this young girl named Sabrina Solomon, who read an article when I first joined about, you know, what my mission was, which is really to grow our audience and especially uh, to among younger generation and to be relevant for the future of our sport. And she wrote me a, a handwritten letter and said that she had all these ideas and that she was, you know, off for the summer and could come work for us for free, which was really cute, but obviously we couldn't hire her. So we 
invited her and her mom into the office. And I brought together a collection of my colleagues thinking, oh, here's this young girl who might be inspired to be, you know, at one or more roles here at the league someday. Well, she comes in with a full PowerPoint presentation filled with ideas, amazing ideas. And some of the ideas we were already doing. And that was a huge aha moment for us because it meant that, you know, you can market all you want, but if you're not resonating or connecting with the generation, then you need to kind of rethink and optimize your strategy. And so she inspired our youth advisory board, uh, which is called the NHL Power Players. We're in our second year. We just launched our second uh, year of the Power Players board, uh, but it is comprised of 25, 13 to 17 year olds. Um, They had to go through a rigorous application process and interview. uh, And each of them uh, really impressed us with their passion and commitment for growing the game, uh, either among young fans, among young women, among, among fans of color, Like they really want to help us grow our game and they're passionate about it. Uh, And they each have a little superpower. So some might be gamers, some might be TikTok stars, some might be, you know, writers who want to be journalists in their future or future broadcasters. Each one of them has sort of this talent and we're, you know, tapping into that to really understand what's important to them at all aspects of our game. We ask them uh, all kinds of questions and have conversations around media, technology, culture, sports, music, everything that you can imagine, um, because that's what their life is. They stream so much information and so much content and they retain it and they understand it and they have a point of view on it. We need to be able to you know, keep up, if you will, and understand where the, the currents of, um, of culture that are important for us to insert ourselves. So how do we bring hockey into culture and more culture into hockey? I can imagine you learn a lot from them. Like you said, 13 to 17, that is their bread and butter. They are amazing. And you start to see pattern recognition. So we have some returning members in the second year, um, but uh, and some new members in this second year. And you start to see the themes emerge. And there's such consistency in their perspective and themes. And that's when you know as a marketer that you're really onto something when you, you know, see pattern recognition in lots of different places and spaces that this is important. And so we listen with open ears. I gotta be honest, sometimes it's hard. They tell you the truth. And that's uh, sometimes the truth hurts, but sometimes you have to have a mirror held up to your face, right? About, you know, what the what their perception is of our marketing or our initiatives. Perception is everything. It matters. So understanding that helps us, you know, gear up our next set of plans or promotions around what the feedback uh, these young folks have provided to us. And it's not just the power players that we listen to, right? We, we look at all of our data analytics. We look at comments. We listen to, you know, the media. We really try to take in holistically what is the conversation around hockey, uh, but more specifically, op, you know, customized by audiences that we're trying to market to and reach. Uh, you mentioned that uh, when that list was brought to you, some of the things the league was already doing. I'm just wondering if coming out of this program or off that list, is there something that was that, oh, we didn't think about that. Oh, that's a great idea. An aha moment that we're seeing now. Is there something that that you recall like that's a yeah, great idea. I mean, Why didn't we think of it first? <laughs> yeah, well, there, there are so many of those little ideas that come along. So I think one of the real, so, so we've 
brought the themes into like four pillars, right? So the first theme is, again, the humans are greater than highlights. And this is here every single time we talk to the kids, right? They just want to know who these athletes are on a one-to-one personal basis. Uh, So we continue to work on that. And that's a big part of our strategy, both at the league level and the club level, is really to help us humanize our players off the ice. The second is this notion called see me. And that is the idea that uh, these young people want to be noticed by a player, by a club, by a league. It can be a like, it can be a share, it can be some form of acknowledgement. It could be in the arena when you've got your warm-up sign pressed against the glass. These are all moments of connection that matter. And so what we've taken with this concept of see me is how do we elevate our fans into our feeds? And we've created programming around that. So we had our warm-up signs, we have right now uh, NHL fan skills since we couldn't have an all-star game this year we decided to turn the you know spotlight on our fans to show us their uh their skills and we've had uh, you know the hundreds and hundreds of submissions that have come in and then we're evolving that program to you know extend the life of it and make it even more interesting so we're trying to do more and more of these programs we have a creator of the week program where we identify a, an incredible creator out there in the hockey world and feature them on our channels and you may have seen uh, the, what's his name, Dan Pines, uh, a hand-drawn artwork. It looks like a photo, black and white photograph of our players, but it is a pencil drawing. And we featured him on our channels. He then had an eight-minute NHL uh, network segment. And now he's being commissioned all over the world to create these beautiful hockey images. So that to me is like the ultimate connection and recognition of fandom that's giving, you know, the gift that gives back to him and to our hockey community. Um, I just want to touch on the Power Players program just a little bit more. What do you think the greater impact uh, of this program has been and where do you see it in the future? Oh, the... It is essential in every aspect of marketing. Um, We've put these practices into place uh, around humans are greater than highlights, around CME, inclusivity and gaming are two other pillars that are really important. So we've got, you know, our esports tournament, we are a world gaming championship. We do, you know, getting mini tournaments involving our players in it to get the, you know, connect with those kids. Gaming is a really important vertical because um, if we rewire how we think of fans, we could have people who are gamers who play NHL, you know, who chill, uh, who never buy a ticket to sit in an arena. That's okay, but because they may still consider themselves a fan, they still identify with certain athletes. They're actually the most informed and educated fans out there, if you will, because they know every athlete, every score, every skill they have across the team. So they've got this incredible knowledge, but their knowledge is just happening in a different world, not the real world. So um, I think really opening that up is is critical for us. And so we continue to take their insights. We meet with them twice a month and we pull those insights into everything we do. A lot of it is creative optimization. So we'll ask why, um, you know, do they repost some of the content on our channels? And they'll tell us why they do and why they don't. And so we do a creative optimization. If it just looked like this, we would be happy to put it on our channels. And so those are just like little, you know, the highlight battles. They love the highlight battles. And so we do more of those things. They, they make little suggestions of, you know, content that we could create and curate based on what they're seeing around in the general sports landscape as well as what they're seeing on our feed. So it's a, it's an ongoing evolution of, uh, or an ongoing, um, you know, uh, fountain of insights that come to us and some of them work and some of them don't, but that's great because we have a feedback loop to talk about it and um, continue to evolve. 
how else will you find out if you don't ask or you don't try? So you've, you've got to give it a go for sure. And I, I love what you've been bringing uh, during the course of this conversation because the hockey room, and I'm talking about a physical room, it's got a lot of people in it, but there's so much space that's still available. So let's bring as many people to the table and into that room as we can. I never understood the thought that some people had like, it's our little secret. We don't want to let it out. It's a great sport. Let's make sure more people are involved and let's get it done and continue to innovate, create, and expand our footprint. It's, it's so That's easy. what it's about. It's so easy to fall in love with hockey. It really is. And, you know, when you when you think about it, we always go back to the fact that it's, there's no other sport like it when you watch hockey live, right? But no other sport is as exciting. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can smell it, right? When you're in the uh, arena. And so we really do want to do more programming around encouraging people to go to their first game. And that's where you're going to see a lot of, you know, uh, at the club level and the NHL level is how do you bring uh, people, more people into the arena for that first game and get hooked and then take it from there. Great, great initiatives. And, you know, you mentioned the gaming side of things uh, during the the pause uh, while the league was returning to the bubble. The Devils did not. Uh, but we had to create content. And one of the things we did was a series of games involving either Devils alums playing other teams, old time games. And we just I, I was the one involved in it, but I announced the games and we got fabulous response to it. So there is a gaming component outside of those who who just sit and watch the games and consume them in an entirely different manner. So again, wide open, let's go, let's open those arms a little bit more. And Jess the game is so well, good. It's almost like you're watching. I remember watching the video games on TV and on broadcast too. And it's like, they're so good. Sometimes you forget that you're watching. <laughs> you, yeah. Right. You can't, it's hard. You have to really look and go, is that reality and, or is yeah. that a, a creation? No, it's, it's awesome. I've got one more and then maybe Jess has a follow-up. Uh, I, I know in a recent interview you recorded that, and I, I did notice it's on your Twitter account, forgive me, it may be on your Instagram account as well. You added something the, in the article, you said the happy place for you is the intersection of media tech and culture on Twitter. You've added and hockey, but <laughs> when, when does that happen? When you reach that intersection, what's that like? I mean, this is where life intersects business. And this is back to that notion of um, everything is connected and related. And more than ever, more than ever in the history of sport have culture and sports been intertwined and interconnected. And so, uh, and you're starting to see, you know, athletes get involved into technology and technology fueling how athletes perform. And uh, you, you, Think about how the connected tissue is between music and um, and and you know movie content and how and, and so I feel like that intersection of all those places is a place that we need to play as hockey so that we can understand who the humans are that love our sport, who the ones, how we can expand our sport to reach new people. And, you know, what's hot, like you're going to be relevant when you're relevant and you're relevant when you're connected to culture. And so you have to stay on top of all those aspects, media, technology, content, and culture. And of course, hockey is such a wonderful culture in and of itself. Uh, but we're so humble as a sport. We have to get out of our shell and really showcase and share what's so special about our sport. 
Yeah, Heidi, I guess just the last question for me is I absolutely love your strategies and your initiatives. And I really love your why for why you are doing all that you are doing and bringing in younger fans and, and how you're doing that. So I guess my question is, what would you say your best or favorite memory from this position has been so far? Oh my gosh. Well, I have to say the power players program is my favorite because it is so incredibly valuable and it is the gift that keeps on giving. And, you know, even, even the aspect of really how much value it's bringing to us as a league from a marketing and, uh, and understanding our fans perspective, but also what it's doing for our, our power players. I had one father contact me after his um, son had participated in power players. He's like, you have no idea how that transformed him as a person. He was shy in school. He barely spoke up, which I found hilarious because he was one of the more dominant voices in the power players, but he, he found, just needed to find his voice, he found his voice and he found his people and he found his comfort zone. And so if we can, you know, infuse life skills into these kids that they can take with them forever, that is like the thing that's the most rewarding. So we all win from that program. And that is a wonderful spot in which to end this podcast. Heidi Browning, Chief Marketing Officer of the National Hockey League. Thanks for your insights. Continued success. Uh, the footprint is there. The path is there. And the success has been notable. So continued success to you and your team. And thank you so very much for sharing your time with us today. Thank, thank you, you for having me. And I'm happy to come back anytime to chat more because it's been such a lovely discussion. So we will take you up on that. <laughs> Fantastic. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, put one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. She touches upon so many topics and she discusses the details that are going to continue to bring success to this league. That, that half hour just flew by. It absolutely did. And you know what? One of my takeaways from this interview, um, I mean, there were a lot of them, but talking to 13 to 17 year olds, of course, they're going to be honest. Of course, they're going to be blunt. I feel like that is the demographic you want to tap into if you want full honesty. I mean, you have kids, Matt. Do you agree with that? Without a doubt. And even <laughs> after they get out of that demographic, they still question everything. But no, they have different <laughs> points of view. And, you know, we get caught up in life. This is the way it's been done. And it's successful to a degree. So why do we want to change? But change Absolutely. is important. Evolution is critical to continuing an ongoing success. And the league has embraced that has to. That's why I talked about the tradition bound nature of our sport too many people have been afraid to let others in like a sense of like well i get it others get it it's a great sport but let's not mm -hmm. let anybody into the club crazy crazy but those doors have long been knocked down and we're welcoming more and more people to the table which is great definitely and it's proving that it's working too right um 
as we touched on at the beginning, she doesn't come from a hockey background. She's from Montana, right? So almost an outsider looking in saying, hey, I have all these great ideas too. And clearly they're working. Look at look at everything she's doing. Like I said, absolutely inspiring. Yeah. And, and kudos to Gary Bettman for recognizing that as the commissioner of the National Hockey League, he has to widen the perspective as well. He has to bring Definitely. other voices to the table. And he has done that. And he did that uh, through the hiring of Heidi Browning. And we wish her the very best of luck continuing with her work with the National Hockey League. So on that note, we'll wrap things up. Jess, good to spend another episode of Speak of the Devils with you. Looking forward to more. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Matt. Always love uh, sharing these podcasts with you. And so for Jessica Kent, I'm Matt Lachlan, thanking you once again for your company. It is always appreciated. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Speak of the Devils, presented by our good friends once again at RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Until the next time, be safe, be well. So long, everyone. 